0: Welcome to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science, relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, We
1: might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. (laughs) Hi everyone, we're at it again. Another podcast today, my co-host Ian Killip to my left. And through the screen, we have Flex Coach Chelsea. (laughs) Welcome.
2: Thank you. Good to be here.
1: For those of you guys that don't know Chelsea very well or haven't listened to the previous Flex podcast that Chelsea has been on, uh, as well as being an epic Flex success coach, she's also a personal trainer and competitive bikini athlete. And maybe Chelsea, I thought we could start by you telling the listeners or the eye people on YouTube. The ear um, people
0: and the eye people. The ear
1: people and the eye people. What's that? Is that from Under the Bar?
0: No, that was with the boys from uh, STC Fit.
1: Oh, they do ear people. He said, "For I- those
0: listening, the ear people. Okay,
1: <laughs> maybe you can tell the ear people and the eye people about your competitive history."
2: Sure. Um, so I started competing in um, ICN. I lived in Australia for a few years, so I started competing in Australia with ICN in two thousand and seventeen. I did a few shows in their season A, um, and then took the rest of the year off, and then competed in season B the next year, um, and then. Um, and then I came back to America and I competed in the NPC. So I just came off of the most previous season where I competed in July and then in August of 2020. So now I have, I don't know how many months it's been, maybe around six months that I've been out of competition mode. So it's been nice kind of transitioning back to, um, a less restrictive lifestyle. Mm. And how has life changed for you? You mentioned restriction. But what does that
1: look like in practice
2: um, well when in comp prep i was you know obviously everybody wants to give their best foot forward so just being as stuck to the plan as i could um, i followed a flexible dieting approach up until the last four weeks where i kind of wrote my own meal plan and then stuck to it but it was all all of my choices to make sure that i could be as adherent and compliant as possible and I think just, you know, after the show, there becomes a little bit more flexibility. Calories go up a bit. I'm trying to recover quite quickly. I did more of a recovery diet approach where I didn't extend the deficit much longer. I kind of try to bring my calories back to maintenance as soon as possible. Um, so I gained um, a bit of body fat in a controlled manner, and then I've just maintained it since then. So the restriction has lifted in the sense that I'm no longer in a like a big calorie deficit. I'm more just eating at maintenance or slightly above kind of just eating the hunger levels, but still making good choices. So still eating whole foods the majority of the time. And then having um, discretionary calories about 20% of the time
0: mm-hmm.
2: and more dinners out, more social events, more time for life. It's more of a life season rather than a competitive season. And yes. it feels good. It does.
0: <laughs> I love it. Though, it life season? Yeah. I think it frames it up nice though. Like, you know, off-season, there used to be this weird, I think, like contextualization of off-season meaning blowout season. Mm. You know, that's one thing that people have previously associated with an off-season. Um, but I like life season because it's saying that there's other things that are important other than the lifting and other than the food as well as those and other two. than
1: your body fat. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. But um, interesting, Chelsea, I had a and a that I put up on my IG the other day and one of the questions I got was do you have any advice on how to manage the... Recovery phase, or they actually use the the word reverse, um, because they're fearful of gaining weight and just letting loose at social events. So I think it'd actually be like a nice thing to unpick, like how you manage that process coming out of that diet, so that people can get an idea of maybe like how to actually apply some of these thoughts.
1: Can I just jump in quickly before Chelsea does answer no. that and give a quick um, <laughs> definition between a reverse diet. Actually, no, you know what? I'm going to give my interpretation <clears throat> of the difference between a reverse diet and a recovery diet. Cause there might be multiple. So how I think of a reverse diet is somebody who's tried to lose weight and they've obviously been in a calorie deficit because there's one way to lose weight and they no longer need to keep eating in a deficit they're now at their goal weight so now they reverse their calories back up as high as they can before fat gain occurs so that would be a reverse diet we're reversing calories back up without fat gain trying to now maintain the weight that's lost whereas a reverse diet is sorry a recovery diet is somebody that's trying to recover from the symptoms of being excessively lean like getting on stage and they are trying to put on body fat because. Some of the symptoms they're experiencing are from being far too lean, which you need to be to do well in competition. Um, and so it's sort of purposeful weight gain to recover from the symptoms. So they would be the differences. Would you guys agree with, with my understanding of reverse versus recovery? Yep,
2: yeah. I, I would. Um, the reverse, I kind of think of it like um, kind of just prolonging the deficit. And after you've been competing for so long and you know, restricting your calories, you kind of just want your body to recover, especially as a female, where you're trying to get your hormones to a good level, um, making sure everything's working properly. Um, yeah. And, and also just the, the prize of stepping on stage is over. So it's really, really hard to adhere. So if you're still setting these kind of restrictions of, of being in a calorie deficit after your show, it's likely that you're going to not adhere as well as you were before, which can cause like feelings of failure. And then it just might cause you to repeat the cycle of eating more food because that's going to make you feel better and then feeling worse about it. And that's kind of where you can get in trouble.
0: Mm. Yeah. I think the reverse concept is suitable for somebody who we'd classify as a general population has achieved a weight goal that they want to sustain. Mm. And then you're trying to find your new maintenance without the accumulation of body fat or weight or mm. not too much. Whereas that was then transferred into the bodybuilding community and with the assumption that you could build this metabolic capacity and that you could eat more food than you could before and not get as fat. And,
1: well, if that was the case, no one would be obese.
0: Right? Yeah, the reality mm. is it doesn't work. And it's a mm. sort of a false, re- it's a false um, uh, like assumption because like you said, Chelsea, you're just prolonging the deficit. You're just shortening the distance between the deficit. Uh, so you're still in a deficit that it still sucks. And,
2: yeah.
1: uh, you know, people can eat more without gaining weight because of the relationship between intake and expenditure. So we find that when people eat more, they tend to move more. <laughs> mm. So therefore, it's not that they're eating more and their metabolism is somehow magically improving. They're just also moving more because they have more energy from the increased food. Mm. Um, so, so that seems to be the reason why Hmm. reverse diets are helpful
0: but um yeah back on the recovery part future so i'd be interested to know like how you set up your thoughts around that phase like how did you prepare for it knowing what you needed to achieve was actually purposeful fat gain? because that's a difficult thing for people to deal with
2: yeah i think especially women too because there's all the pressure on us to stay a certain way um in this past competition, so that was my third prep that I've done. I've competed in multiple shows each time, but my my third actual prep, and I don't know if it's just age or what it is, but like I felt like I was almost like too skinny. Anyways, like I didn't actually like the way I looked, like that rail thin, um, and I kind of like myself with a little bit more of a booty and like just, just. Yeah, just a little bit thicker. So I think at first it was okay, because the first couple pounds come on pretty quick, just from extra like glycogen, or just eating the extra carbs and water that come to your body. Um, But I continue, I think one of the biggest things is I continued to work with my coach. So that way, if I was getting emotional about anything, he could remind me of the plan of why we're doing this of why it's important. And like, I think that's super important just to have somebody still in your corner. Um, I know of a lot of people that just stop working with their coach the day of the show, and that's kind of where you can run into trouble. So what I'd also recommend, which I had made the mistake in past preps, is booking a vacation, you know, the week after the show or booking a big party or something. And that's when things can kind of Get into trouble because you still need to keep your habits. You can't just say, oh, show's over. I'm going to stop doing my cardio, stop doing everything that I've been doing." It's it's still continuing those and slowly weaning off of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so habit maintenance, but just with a little bit less restric- oh, restriction. Sorry. You still yeah, slowly. Yeah. Things,
1: yeah. And organization.
0: Yeah.
2: Organization and making sure that you're kind of adding foods in step-by-step, you know, you don't want to go from eating plain rice and rice cakes and chicken breasts to all of a sudden, I don't know, like cereal, things that are highly palatable because then you're just more likely to want more of it. So it's like adding food in, in a controlled manner, if you can Mm. point. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. I mean, from working with you for a while now, I know that you're a really organized person um, and you like to think things through before you do them. I wonder how this, what you're talking about, like continuing to be organized would go for somebody that has a bit more of a flippant mindset and likes to kind of fly by the, the end of their seat. Is that the same?
0: The ass of their seat. The ass
1: of their seat, yeah. that one.
0: I don't know where the end of the seat is. I,
1: where is the end of the seat? Well, I'm not the sure. the back of your knees. Um, so what would you say for somebody that feels like they've spent so long organizing and they just want to let loose a little bit, what would you say are like the minimum habits that's important for them to maintain or like the lower hanging fruit
2: coming out of a comp prep or coming out of a diet out of Comp rep? um i don't think you can really walk away from being organized i mean the, or, the organization would have gotten them there in the first place like and i can't imagine that you can just say i expect us to, to maintain my weight to a healthy degree but not be organized so i mean having having more, you can have like more meals out and things like that, but just sticking to kind of the foundation principles of, you know, a lean protein and veg and fruit, and then just being more flexible with the choices that you're having, but still mm. maintaining kind of the rigid flexibility of your meal timings and components within each meal.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. Some more variety within, but more strict, strict, um, scheduling still. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah.
1: Even within lean protein and vegetables, there's so many options. You know, we've got stir fries, or salads, or wraps. Or we should never get bored if we can be creative with that. You can even make a pizza. Do you actually, um, you and your boyfriend do pizza night on Friday nights, right?
2: Yeah, it's well, it's mostly him that does pizza night, but I get jealous, so <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to eat pe- like full calorie pizza every single. Every single Friday. So yeah, so yeah, just being creative and I'll make my own pizza with lower calorie ingredients that kind of fit, fit my plan and keep me on track while still allowing me to be social. Mm. Mm. How did you make it? What were the ingredients? Uh, just like a flatbread here and then I use like pasta sauce, fat-free cheese, and then any kind of like meat and toppings that I want.
0: I love that you guys have um, fat-free cheese in America. Do you mean low-fat cheese?
2: It's fat-free.
0: No, legit fat-free.
2: Wow. Yeah. Like it's like or it's like one gram of fat. It's it says fat free on the on the label. Does it taste so, right? Oh uh, not really, but if it is all you eat, then you then
1: you get used to it.
0: It's all about that cheesy texture. <laughs> I
1: can't imagine what fat-free cheese because we have only low fat cheese, but what is it like
0: 15? fifteen? Yeah.
1: Yeah, fifteen percent fat. God
2: damn, low fat cheese. Yeah, there's yeah. not much in it.
0: It's mostly protein. Low we want fat-free cheese and a full sugar soda.
2: No. <laughs> I don't understand people who drink
1: full sugar soda because if they're like chips, chocolate, my favorite, if there was a no or low calorie alternative that tastes somewhat similar, I'd be all over it, but there's not. But for soft drinks, God, it tastes so similar. Why would you choose the, the full sugar thing? Mm. Cause what is it like four, 20, 40 grams of carbs? Well, it's like drink?
0: 10% on average. So yeah. And 200, yeah. 400 ml can. Yeah. There you go. Mm. Woo! I mean, that's a pizza base yeah that's true
1: it's true um so what would you say coming out of a comp prep you obviously had to decide on how to be more flexible the amount of weight that you were going to gain kind of how to mentally deal with that imagine that you had asked yourself particular questions on to figure out when and how much what do you think those questions were or where did you start with that
2: I think I really leaned heavily on my coach personally for this. I think it's, it was really hard for me to figure out, especially, yeah. Coming out of a show, you're used to seeing yourself lean, even though I was okay with gaining weight, like immediately the scale, I, I work in pounds mostly. So it jumped like four or five pounds in that first week. And that can be a big shock when that took me like a month to month or more to get off in the first place. Yeah. Oh. Um, So yeah, at first it was just a little bit um, like bigger fluctuations. So I think we kind of set like a percentage, like, okay, around this percentage of weight gained, we're going to kind of slow it down, try to maintain there for a while and then decide on the next thing,
0: Mm. Um,
2: whether I was going to compete again this year or maybe take a break and continue to build and have a life season, a longer life season or whatever it was. So Mm. yeah, I've decided to, yeah, not compete this year for sure. And then we'll see what next year has in store. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. forget get the pain and then decide to That's go in.
0: <laughs> That's it. You That's it. You've got to just push that to the side for a moment. Go, oh, that, that one that was heaps of fun. <laughs> Look how shredded I was.
1: No, it was not. It was easy. And how are you dealing with um, body image? Because obviously your body image has changed right now since, since stepping yeah. off stage. And yeah, how are you going with that?
2: Um, great actually. I, yeah, I think it's great. Like I feel I'm, I'm heaviest that I've ever been on the scale in my entire life, but looking at pictures, I'm like, I don't, I like, it's just nice as a woman to not feel like I, I need to diet. And that's a lot what I help with my clients, um, both my online clients and, and people I see in person too. And just like women that I come up to in my life, I feel like everybody's always like, Oh, I have to lose five pounds. Oh, this little bit of fat here, this little bit of fat here, how can I fix it? it's like, hold on. Like, let's just appreciate our bodies for what it can do. Like, especially going through a comp prep, if anybody's done it, like you just know how exhausted you feel and just depleted and like at some points depressed and just unfulfilled looking at yourself, even though you look absolutely incredible. And then when you come out of it, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much more to this. Like I can go all day without needing a nap. Like (laughs) (laughs) these things are underrated. And, um, yeah, just feeling healthy, being able to like lift weight in the gym and like feel strong. Like these are all great things. And I think society puts this pressure on us to always be smaller and always to pick ourselves apart. And so, yeah, that's something that I've really been trying to work with a lot of my female clients is like, let's appreciate ourselves for what we already are. And if we still want to make a change, that's fine. But oh. let's let's first be okay and love ourselves for how we are. How did you go about that mental shift? 'Cause I mean it sounds I, I love where you're at, but how, how did you get there? Um, this time it was more natural. I think I w- I was look- I was wanting to put on weight after my competition. I mm-hmm. really it was really hard going through comp prep during COVID, training at home, being isolated from friends and family, even though that could be looked at as a positive when you're in comp prep. But it's you know, the whole year I think was tough on everybody from a social standpoint. And, um, so yeah, I think I was just ready this time to be back to feeling more like myself.
0: Oh. Yeah. So it sounds like to me that this is probably more about setting up the appropriate framework for like, what is the intention of this next phase? Cause like when, when you set up the intention for a contest prep, obviously we understand that the goal is to get as lean as humanly possible without dying. Um, and Hopefully. you know that in order for you to achieve that, there's a certain set of rules and expectations and a level of restraint and restrictions that you have to go by. So you, you're, you're kind of okay by doing it. But then when people get into the next part, which is the off-season or life season, I think a lot of people fail to frame that out. So like I frame that first phase typically as the health phase. So like we want to return to baseline health so that we can then maximise the next phase, which would be the growth phase, you know? And I think doing that makes... Um, the process a lot easier on you mentally because you're now making decisions to achieve the intended goal of that framework, and it sounds like that 's what you kind of did like oh, i want to be healthy, I want to do this therefore all of these actions are tick 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 hmm.
2: mm-hmm. that fair yeah yeah and i and I like framing it like a life phase or yeah or even like a maintenance phase but not a bulking phase <laughs> by any means but yeah just trying to live more and see what your body can do setting other goals I think is important too and not only for comp prep people but even just lifestyle clients who are coming out of the diet um, you know after you've achieved your goals it's like well now what I've put all this effort and time into this and now you just want me to step back from tracking and step back from being so restricted what am I meant to do and so figuring out what what is what, what is important to these people and to myself outside of just my body, mm-hmm. and making those things a priori- priority. So it's kind of like a shift. Like if you know if there's like a triangle and you can only focus on one point of the triangle at the time, just kind of going to the next point, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's all still it's all still important, but there's just bigger importance on other things,
1: which definitely doesn't mean having to get fat. And unhealthy just because you're focusing on other things which is why we spend so much time and energy with our clients as we know three flex purchase here building sustainable habits um, when we're talking about comp prep some of the habits are taken to the point where they're not sustainable but we help people shift back like pull back on some habits so that they are sustainable Like maybe walking two hours a day is necessary in a comp prep at some stage But maybe only walking 30, 40 minutes a day is what's necessary for, you know, in your life, life season, is Mm. that what you guys are calling it? So we're still maintaining that habit. We're just adjusting it a little bit. And we still need to food prep, but maybe we can have pasta. It doesn't
0: have to just be pumpkin now. Yeah, or even little things, you know, like in a a comp prep, you get really neurotic around food choices in that. Like if I say I'm eating chicken breast and then I want to eat white fish, even though they're pretty much the same protein and fats, I'm still going to weigh them out, right? And I'm going to make sure that the difference is accounted for somewhere else. Whereas in a live season or moving out of contest prep, it's like, hey, like.
1: Close enough is good. White enough. meat's good. Mm. You
0: know, mm. red meat's good. And then you have salmon because it's its own special kind of fish. <laughs>
1: salmon um, has <laughs> the same amount of fat as it does protein. But, you know, and it's <laughs> like, you know, like mm. I would
0: only eat if I allocated carrot, snow peas and capsicum, that's all I would eat. And then coming out of prep, it's like, maybe I can just swap the relative amount of those dosages for any vegetable.
1: I'll just have 200 grams of whatever veggies.
0: Because yeah. making a mistake of 50 calories in that period of time is probably okay. <laughs> yes. And I say that condescendingly, just in case that wasn't picked up. It's definitely okay. <laughs> yeah. Close
1: enough is definitely good enough for gen pop. For when we say gen pop, general population people, non-competitive. Athletes. But even coming
0: out of a prep for a client, that's a nice mm. way to sort of relinquish yourself from the fear of not being perfect. I think coming out of prep, mm. but doing it in a very controlled manner. So like you said, Chelsea, it's the same habits it's just that you've let a little bit of rope out. Now, like you might have a rib fillet instead of an eye fillet, like big fucking dip.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, how have you gone about socialising and having a family life now that prep is over while, without kind of having to buy a whole new wardrobe and, and letting go of everything? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um Well, since I still like live a healthy lifestyle and my body and how I look is still important to me, you know, and so I guess I limit, I limit my choices. I only say yes to things that I really, really want to go to. Um, One like tool I use, it's kind of silly, but it sometimes works on it. Like if you think of a scale of one to 10 and you take out the number seven and then you ask yourself, do I want to do this thing? if you choose eight or above, then that really means like, yeah, this is worth it. But usually if you're like on the fence, you'll choose a seven. So by removing that out, now you have to choose like, do I really want to, is it going to add value to my life or is it not? And so just being smart and, and thinking through what I'm saying yes to and making sure it's something I want to do. And then it just depends on what the celebration is. Like if it's a wedding, I'm I'm just going to go along with the flow, eat everything that's there, have a few drinks if I choose to. But if it's something like, you know, just um, a a dinner out with another couple, maybe I'll be more restrained restrained in the food that I order. It'll be more plain food, kind of similar to what I eat at home because I'm going there just for the company, not for anything major. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess what, what you said before where it all comes down to just planning ahead and thinking through the choices before I make them. Hmm. Mm.
0: and then let's just say you do go out with your friends though because this happens a lot and then the food just looked way too delicious and you're like nah i'm all in you know i'm gonna i'm gonna get some of this delicious stuff that everybody else is eating how do you rationalize with yourself not to punish yourself after the fact
2: ah i don't have too much trouble with that to be to be honest um I think that sometimes there's just like memories over macros people say that. And I, I guess I believe in that because it's very rare that I'm that I've already made the choice and then I go out and then go against what I've already chosen to do, I guess. Uh So if I did, if I did choose to switch my decision when on the spot, when I was there and I saw that delicious food that's still a conscious choice. So I guess like everything, even if you decide to make that choice and eat the food, it's always your choice in the end. And so, yeah, you can feel upset about it the next day or you can move on because it's only yourself that you have to blame. So instead of saying like, oh, you know, it was like, instead of blaming external factors, like it was there or everybody else was or any other excuse that you may give yourself, just taking ownership, like, okay, I chose that today. This is what I'm gonna choose to do today. I might eat, you know, less servings of carbs or or change things around a little bit, not starve myself, but, you know, just pull back on calories a little bit. If, if that was something but I think just reminding yourself that it's, it's always your choice on what you choose so one thing I hear clients say a lot is that they were good or they were
1: bad um, as if the food they ate made them more morally virtuous or somehow bad so I, I really think that it's harmful um, to to frame the way you eat as a reflection of your goodness or your badness um, and I think that can compa- perpetuate this cycle of grouping foods as good and bad. And if you eat from this group, you are good, or you eat from this group, you are bad. Um, And feelings of guilt and shame can come from that as well. Um, And I love that when you spoke about you just made a decision, there was no identification of being good or bad. You just decided to eat more calorie-dense foods, and then maybe you pulled back later on something else. But it was no reflection of your goodness
2: or your badness. Yeah, that's right. That's right yeah it's that is
0: yeah. yeah yeah well, it is food is just food, and like that association with them um, like attributing an emotion to your decisions like you 've mentioned earlier is, is also a way I think for people to lose perception of like what the reality is, like the logical, rational thing is to recognize that it 's just a small amount of calories above what you probably would have consumed anyway, and the impact of that logically is very small if you don 't repeat it every day of the week. Hmm. But when we then go there and say, I was bad, then bad then is associated with, you know, negative thoughts. And then those negative thoughts lead to negative behaviours. and Like punishing yourself
1: with exercise instead
0: of rewarding yourself with exercise. Mm. Yeah, so I think yeah, having the ability to have some clarity around your decision, like you said, and being of is probably the first step to people not punishing themselves and continuing to move forward as opposed to constantly going up and down the stairs. In so that loop.
1: Maybe we should unpick the math of weight gain and loss really quickly just to show how unimportant one more indulgent meal will be. Uh, it's, this is quite easy to explain with a graph and I, I'm not prepared with a graph right now. Um, so just to use easy math, I can maintain my 60 kilo body weight on about 2000 calories. That's called my TDEE, my total daily energy expenditure, 2000 calories per day. What's that over 14,000, 2800 calories.
0: Over seven days. Yeah. 14,000.
1: Yes. Calories. Oh my God. Yes. 14,000 calories. It's easy math for Woo! <laughs> yeah. Like I said, easy math. <laughs> Still counting on my fingers over here. Yeah. Um, so if I'm eating about 2000 calories a day, but I go out for a more indulgent meal and I end up eating like what, three, four, 500 calories more than I would in that one meal. I'm now at 14,000, 1400, 14,400 calories for the week. So spread over the seven days of the week. That's only an extra what, like, 50 calories a day?
0: Yeah.
1: Extra? What's 50 calories a day? Absolutely well, this is the nothing. thing. You
0: wouldn't punish yourself for 50 a day. No. You would be like, ah, that's within a like an, an, an acceptable range of my target.
1: Of my, yeah. Like, you of know. course I can maintain weight on 2,100 calories. What? <laughs> 1,050. Cal- oh my God. 2,050.
0: 2,050
1: calories a day. Told you I need a graph. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> of course I can. And an extra 50 calories is what? Like, a spoon of rice or something that I can remove per day, of course I can manage that. Yeah. But we don't wanna have that mentality of, ah, it's just an extra this, it's just an extra that, because I'm talking about one meal here. But if we add that up and that mentality happening seven days a week, of course that adds up. But the point here is don't punish, there's no need to punish yourself for one meal, especially because sometimes we might be a little over, sometimes we might be a little under. We just don't wanna always be a little over.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's by no means perfect maths, but I also even just reference this a lot of the time. It's like whatever the calorie deficit is or whatever the calorie surplus is per day.
1: Over TDE.
0: Yeah, over TDE or under TDE. Over the course of seven days is roughly the same amount of grams you can gain or lose per week. Now, it will change depending on a lot of factors. But the theory there is is that if you eat eat 100 calories over per day for seven days, you may have gained up to 100 grams of fat that week, Mm -hmm. which is fuck all it's nothing you know and it's the same in reverse like 100 calorie deficit 100, 100 grams of fat off that week mm. there's a lot of context to that that doesn't make that perfect but it's a quick reference for you to go oh look even if i eat over or by 100 a day every day for this week as long as i only do it for this week it's maybe 100 grams of fat mm. and as you said before chelsea how quickly can you lose four pounds like i can lose four pounds in four weeks you know but you can gain that you can lose that 100 grams therefore in like a couple of days So like you can modify the behavior very quickly to get the fat off if you wanted to, not that we're saying you should, but the the point here is, is that one overconsumption moment is quite small in the grand scale.
1: Actually another way, who was it? Might've been Alan or someone mentioned about thinking about eating out is if you're eating three meals a day, well, uh, over seven days, 21 meals a week. Yeah. uh, And we're eating one meal out. That's 20 meals that you've prepared yourself and one meal out mm. and so long as you're not going like balls to wall eating everything in sight for that one meal out how much damage quote unquote are you really going to do to your calorie intake you could swap maybe one of those 20 meals that you're having just for a protein shake and a carrot if you want to
0: yeah you know
1: and you just sort of evened it out there
0: yeah but the point here is to rationalize i think is what we're getting at and
1: what i'm hearing from chelsea is that she's always sensible regardless <laughs> if she's eating at home or eating out
0: She's never eating like a piggy. We we'll have to change her name to Sally. Sensei- sensible Sally. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's not true. But, I, but when I do choose to eat things that are higher in calories, I usually choose to. Like, yeah. yeah for, for instance, we just had, um, we just had a, like, a birthday over the weekend and my mom had made cake and she had got special ice cream in. So I'm going to have some. Like, and I already <laughs> knew I was going to have some. So then I was okay with it, didn't feel guilty, was able to enjoy it and then move on.
1: Yeah, but you were portion controlled,
2: I imagine. Yeah, as best as I could be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. okay. But this is the wonderful thing, though, you know, if you're reasonably <laughs> sensible 95% of the time and then one week out of the month, one day one day out of the month, you have an event, and that event you eat 2,000 calories more than you should have in, you know, bunny rabbit ears, like, yeah, 2,000 calories over four weeks. Like, mm-hmm. it's nothing. It's yeah. so insignificant that... It's not gonna cause you any drastic difference in your physique.
1: Do your family bug you at
2: events to about food? Uh no, but my family loves sweets. Like, well you're I a baker
0: yourself, sweets. right? <sighs> yeah,
2: I really yeah. So I, I like sweets too. Like we've I grew up with my mom. Um when I was little at a birthday party, I remember she pulled out all of the half gallons of ice cream and it was taller than I was when I was a <sighs> child. Like <laughs> it's just she loves sugar and it's kind of instilled that in, in us too. So, um, when I go there, there's always an abundance, but she, like every, I think, I think the key thing is to communicate as well. Like, and just tell people what you plan to do, what stage of life or, you know, what you, what you intend to do for that day. And they most of the time support you. Like people don't really care what you're doing as much as you think they do.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, that might be coming from a place of having a supportive family.
1: And that's so good for you that you do. Um, I have some clients may also be speaking from experience who don't have such supportive families. And I find what is more helpful is actually not to communicate Um, because some people, some family members might perhaps feel guilty about their poor choices. And they reflect that by trying to get you to make poor choices as well so that they feel a bit more justified in their decisions. Um, So another thing that might be helpful, depending on what your family is like is just saying, Nah, I just don't feel like it. And no one's going to bug you for not feeling like cake. Whereas if you're like, Oh, you know, it looks really great, but I'm dieting right now. Oh, come on. Just one piece yeah. might be the reaction. Um, so it might be best to gauge how supportive your family is and, and go from there. And as much as you want the cake, just say, nah, I just don't feel like it.
0: Yeah. And similarly, I suppose you would do the same with what friends you choose to go to different restaurants with. Yeah. Mm. Because some friends are going to be very indulgent. Other friends are going to be like-minded. So like, like, maybe the like-minded eating friends you spend more time with on a more regular basis, the ones that are a little bit more indulgent, you might have another thing you do with them. like Dog walks. Play chess. Who <laughs> <You> plays <laughs> chess? Do you play chess? I yeah. never that
1: <laughs> I've never played chess before, you know.
0: Queen's Gambit made me want to become a chess champion.
1: <laughs> have you seen Queen's Gambit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, Dean and I are big fans of playing Connect Four. And uh, can't, can't not really chess. I don't really to say
0: big fans.
1: Well, we play, we've play played a lot of games. It
0: might happen once a month.
1: But we've probably played like 100, 200 games in our time.
0: Yeah, I remember winning about 70 or 80 times.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if I lose, I'm like, ah, oh, best out of three. And I, I <laughs> love winning. But if we just, you know, play one game and I win, I'm like, oh, no, I don't feel like playing anymore. Because I've won. And yeah. I know best out of three might mean I lose.
0: You won the last <laughs> right. two, it? Yeah, indeed. I think I try to, you know, say, hey, let's do best of five. No. <laughs> she failed. Her. Took the win and ran. <laughs> yeah. I love a good old connected yeah. ball.
1: So what's some activities that you can do with your friends when you're in comp prep that doesn't involve eating? What did you fall back on?
2: Uh, this year there was no friends around because we were in lockdown pretty much the whole year. Um, you're in Detroit, yeah.
1: which is a different atmosphere to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. some context to that. Yeah.
2: Um, I, I like, I love going out for walks. I do all my steps outside, no matter what the weather is. So asking a friend to go on, on, on walks with me, um, there's tons of like little nature parks around. So that was always good. Um, I like going for coffee. I mean, especially if it's like not at a meal time, then they probably won't be ordering anything either. So it just makes it easy just to get a coffee. Um, having people over um sometimes if i have friends over here then i just cook (laughs) and i just make my own portion similar to how you would make with the family where it's just kind of like serve yourself and add your own sauces and things so that way it doesn't even feel any different because we're eating the same relatively the same meal and well that's that's Uh, that's plenty
0: the last one especially i think is like really 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 helpful for a lot of people because that is the fear, like the control over what they can have. Mm. Or if they've got a supportive family, maybe even saying like, I'm coming around for dinner, but can I please have a steak?
1: Can you please make me sweet potato and steak? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever it may be. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. But it's helpful not living in a family, isn't it? Because it's just you and your boyfriend and at home it's just Dean and I, and obviously our dogs, which don't judge us for the way that we eat. Thankfully. <laughs> um, Ruben eats like a king. He eats better than most people. He gets slow cooked chicken and sweet potato. Sometimes I like to put a bit of beef stock or something through.
0: Yeah. She doesn't want his taste buds to get bored.
1: I don't No palate fatigue for my dog. (laughs) That's ridiculous. He's <laughs> not ridiculous i love him <laughs> <laughs> does he
2: appreciate it can you tell like does he look up at you and say thank you
0: yeah he mouths thank you I he gets that. manic as i'm preparing his food like you know they'd like toe tap from Staffy's and like this and then he's just like start, and i'm like dude like it'll be ready in 30 seconds just relax and then he starts to get real manic
1: <laughs>
0: and then i take the food away from him i don't do that I, you do not take no, the food I don't, away I don't from him. Never do that too.
1: Dean, uh, his dessert as of late is like a rice pudding situation. Well, it's cream of rice. Yeah. And once he's finished eating everything, there's obviously some stuck to the sides. And Reuben's treat is to like lick it off before we wash the bowl. But was it last night? Mm-hmm. Reuben was so manic for the dessert and was crying at Dean. which he knows he's naughty. Dean's like, well, you're not getting it now, and didn't let him lick the bowl.
2: Oh, wow. I know. Straighten the
1: Oh, that was so mean.
0: I have rules and boundaries. I do, Just like I do in contest row.
1: <laughs> when yeah. it comes to my son, he gets what he wants.
0: <laughs> That's why he cries like a freaking baby. <laughs> he does
1: cry like a baby. <laughs> well, Chelsea, you have two rescue dogs, don't you?
2: I do, yes. Tell us about your babies. I had to move them out of the room because they were making a fuss. But um, mm-hmm. we have Ricky, who we adopted in October. She's a little... Whip It mixed with Pitbull and Dumb as Rocks. This girl doesn't, <laughs> she's just so, so dumb. She was running into the wall the other day, just doesn't know her name, but she's super cute, loves to snuggle and loves to play. And then Ruckus is our other Pitbull Dalmatian mix and he is nine years old. So he's just really tolerant of Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> she's like What's nine. What's that? Yeah. How old? yeah. Uh, like eight or nine. Yeah. We're not sure. Cause uh, my boyfriend had adopted him when he was already fully grown. So he's not exactly sure when mm. he's had him for already like six or seven years. So. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. That's oh, so gosh. beautiful for anyone that doesn't follow Chelsea on social media. They're two white dogs. And from my experience from the dogs at the dog shelter that are white, they're the ones that seem to have like be deaf or like, blind in one eye or some issue, so it's good to see that you've got two white ones without those problems i don't know what it is well, about know. white it dogs sounds like
0: ricky's maybe got some brain damage
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: she <has> <laughs> she's
0: got to give it to herself by running into water. and
1: i think it's so cute because living in queensland obviously the sun is really strong here we have to put sunscreen on at least the noses of the white dogs so you living in snow might be helpful
2: she's gotten a sunburn because just along her lines of being dumb just sat outside for too long and didn't feel how hot she was getting and she came in her face was all red so now we have sunblock for her too oh
1: that's adorable <laughs> i love that's it too funny. i love it
2: uh my friend
1: alicia hi if you're listening she thought her dog was dying of cancer her dog's name is jesse and because she had this big like sunburnt situation on her nose so she got, like, the paw prints of her dog, like, tattooed on her, and the name. Turns out her dog just had a sunburnt nose, and she totally fine.
0: <laughs> still a nice gesture. <laughs>
1: yeah, wow. <laughs> it was extreme sunburn, let me tell you that.
0: <laughs> Must have been.
1: Yeah, it did. It looked funky, I still remember it. Mm. Um, okay, so let's wrap it up with something we're sharing.
0: Well, any final tips?
1: Oh, yeah. How to be less shit, perhaps.
0: Yeah, that's a good tip.
1: Chelsea. People coming out of comp prep who are now trying to transition or adjust to normal life, their life season, how might they be less shit at that?
2: Take it slow. Take it slow. Don't, don't do everything all at once. Just as you said during comp prep of it'll be there when comp prep is over. It'll still be here. So just introduce things slowly. Be sensible about things. Don't go from zero to 100.
0: Okay. Sensible advice? Yeah. yeah. I think that's just all about having good internal dialogue, hmm. which you've mentioned a couple of times too about being conscious about your decisions. So it's almost like, it's almost like concrete finishes and then people's brains just like go splat against the wall, like Ricky. <laughs> they just full Ricky it and then. Um,
1: Don't go full Ricky.
0: And then you get sunburned, you know. <laughs> sunburned by pizza and sodium and salt. And they're the same thing. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Good one, Dean.
2: Oh. And then to um, match that, so I'm reading this book, this Psycho-Cybernetics. I've just started it a few days ago, but it's all about how to improve your self-image. And it's really interesting so far. I'm only like maybe a quarter of the way through, but I would already recommend it because um, I think the writer of the book, or at least the person telling the story in the chapter, um, used to be a plastic surgeon. And he would have people come into his office and they would be looking to get a nose job, let's just say. So they come in feeling really unconfident, saying that like, oh, you know, I can't even speak in front of people and all of these internal pressures. He fixes their nose, goes out into the world, all of a sudden they're a brand new different person because of all of these stories that they were just telling themselves that nobody's gonna like me because I look like this, I'm so ugly, why would anybody wanna be friends with me? Then they fix the physical part and they change into a different person. But then on the other hand, there's some people that come in, same issue with the nose, he fixes it. They look beautiful. Everybody's saying, you know, wow, you look so great. You look beautiful. And they go, I look the exact same. And it's just like all about that internal dialogue of what we, how we, what we talk to ourselves about and Mm -hmm. how our brain actually influences our behavior and our feelings and how we perceive the world. And I'm sure he'll go into tips on how to improve that (laughs) as I get further along. But I just think it's a, it's just really interesting to start breaking that down and like really understand what it is what, what kind of stories you're telling yourselves that may not be true. Whoa. what a cool topic that is. So what is it psycho cybernetics yep. by
1: the author's name?
2: By Maxwell Maltz. Okay.
0: M&M.
1: This reminds me of a, um, it was a British show on TV and they, I remember them getting like a, a tattooed lady. She was tattooed head to toe. Literally her whole face was covered in tattoos. And she said that, you know, she's asking someone for directions and people are like walking away from her and no one wants to talk to her. But then they did this experiment where they covered her in foundation and they gave her long sleeves so nobody could see her tattoos. And she went out into the world and asked for directions and talked to strangers and she had to report back on, they filmed the whole thing, how she felt people responded to her. And she was like, you know what, I think people responded to me so differently, but also I approached them with a more friendly manner because I expected them to to receive me differently. So when she was was saying that when she was tattooed head to toe, she had this expectation of how people would see her. And so she wasn't as friendly because she already expected them to shun her. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think like our attitudes or how we feel about ourselves really show when we speak to people, how we present ourselves, how we dress, our tone of voice.
0: Well, if I I could draw a parallel now to the topic at hand being the post-comp or even intra-comp during, Mm -hmm. and I think this would go actually for anybody who's going through some form of uh, physical change that is also likely going to be associated with a psychological change too in general population, trying to move some body weight. And that is is that any time that you have a negative thought is not the time to then determine subjectively whether or not you think you're improving your look or not because you 100% will look at yourself the same way you feel. And then converse to that, if you have a positive moment might be the time to really reflect on what you've achieved thus far, because you'd be more likely to try and find the positives and what you've, you've done as opposed to the negatives. And I say this from a very uh, superficial level in that I knew if I looked at myself in the morning for check-in photos, I always felt good because I had no food on me. I'd just been rested. I woke up fresh and I thought I looked great. And then at the end of the day, when I was tired and full from food and busted, I always thought I looked like absolute dog shit. And the difference was like 12 hours. So like, clearly I didn't look that much different, uh, but it changed all the time. Uh, so I, am, uh, I think if you can do that, choose your times when to judge when feeling positive would be a smart one.
1: Mm. Or even trust, if we're talking about comp peer here or just weight loss in general, trust the process uh, and let how you feel about how you look Interfere with what you do far less. Mm. I made an infographic about this the other day because this topic is coming up in chapter 12 of Untangling Fat Loss, the new Flex Success eBook. Um, and so I did a.
0: The what? What?
1: The what? <laughs> the new eBook? Oh. What did I say how interesting. No, that. Oh, is it a surprise to you? You haven't heard about the Late. ebook before, Dean. Oh, <laughs> you a bit sick of hearing I just the threw day. the
0: lamest bone your way. This <laughs> is <laughs> how good we are at marketing, guys.
1: Sorry. Yeah. yeah, the untangling fat loss ebook. Tell me more, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was a bit slow to pick that one up. Um, yeah, so the infographic goes. Uh, it's a X, Y XY axis. And my perception of how I looked from day to day went Monday, 18% body fat, Tuesday, 22% body fat, Wednesday, 13% body fat. So I woke up sometimes feeling awesome. I think I feel like 13% body fat. I feel so lean. I feel awesome. The next day, 22%. But of course, my body fat hasn't changed that much overnight in a 24-hour period. If I woke up one day, oh, I'm so lean, I can probably afford to put more calories in. Then I woke up the next day feeling fat. Oh, I should probably starve myself today.
0: Or do more cardio. Or do
1: more cut. My results definitely would not have been as good. So I um, just decided to look at myself less in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to acknowledge that I'm going to have days where I feel really fat just because maybe I'm a little bit bloated that day or maybe my period is around the corner or for whatever reason, I just don't feel great. But... It doesn't matter very much how I feel. Um, the photo shoot is six weeks away. I'm going to trust the numbers, trust the process, and at least an hour into the photo shoot felt really good. Why an hour in, may you ask? was really constipated, and then about an hour <laughs> in, I was like, excuse me, you need to go to the loo.
0: <laughs>
1: and it felt real good.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, there's no such thing as oversharing in this podcast.
0: I mean, there isn't. Well, there might be. I reckon we could find the limit on somebody. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, So look out for that infographic. Uh, Not about me going to the loo, but the perception versus reality infographic.
0: I'm not down with that terminology, the loo.
1: The loo? What do you want me to call it? The latrine? No.
0: No, it's like (laughs) if you say the loo, I expect you to either be, one, 80 years old, or, two, have a doily that goes over your tissue box (laughs) because you're also 80 years old.
1: (laughs) What would you like me to
0: call it? Toilet's fine.
1: Toilet.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm down the toilet. All right. Yeah.
1: Cool. 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 <laughs> would you rather, Chelsea? You am gonna pick a card. We've got a little card game here. We're picking. Would you rather? We can't cards.
0: promise anything here. Okay. Um. All right. Would you rather? Well, how many are we gonna do? Just one. No, we'll do two. All
1: right. Why ask? Why ask me, Chelsea? If you <laughs> I wanted there? you to say
0: two, just so I had. To, so I didn't have to say <laughs> one. Two. <do>. Anyway. <laughs> Have to sprint. Every, well, sorry. Would you rather a have to sprint every time you use your legs, no matter the distance, or have to yell any time you want to say something?
2: <laughs> I love this. Sprint. I'd rather sprint. Than
0: mm-hmm. yell at people.
2: Mm-hmm. What was that? <laughs> Good night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that is.
2: How was your sleep,
1: darling? But imagine like walking
2: <laughs>
1: into I don't know a funeral or a wedding to find your seat, you'd have to sprint to your seat.
0: <laughs> or in a movie theater.
1: <laughs> I love that.
0: Sprinting would get older.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like just go get a glass of water, please, just Off you go. <laughs>
2: that's, true, that's true. That's true. I guess there. I'd probably move less overall just to try I'm, to
0: I'm yeah. just become a sedentary.
1: I would just put on roller skates. Is that the loophole?
0: Yeah, but then you've got to try and sprint in a roller skate. You'd don't be like, I you'd be like you? Phoebe from Friends. I'd
1: <laughs> love it. All
0: right. I'd just feign a uh, disability and just be in a chair.
1: Would
0: you? Yeah, push me.
1: But would you have to sprint in your wheelchair?
0: Well, no, people would be pushing me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It said legs. It specifically said legs. It's yeah. true. Anyway. There's the loophole. Number two. Mm-hmm. You're lucky you've got away from all of the adult filth, Chelsea.
1: So far. Oh,
0: the one behind it that I didn't choose. No. <laughs> That's not a
1: Chelsea
0: <laughs> safe card. Uh, <laughs> would you rather a everything you dream each night comes true, or everything a randomly chosen person dreams each night comes true? I dream
2: some pretty fucked dreams. Own, de- dreams.
0: <laughs> Could my you imagine dreams. what world you would live in if it was the, your dreams? You'd live in multiple dimensions.
2: Yeah. I mean, at least they'd be my dreams, though. I, yeah, it I don't is. think I want anybody else's.
0: But how, they, maybe they're really good dreams, though.
2: Oh, maybe they're not. Depends maybe if you know hard. that. I have pretty good dreams, actually. I'd be okay
0: This fine. is the thing. If you have nightmares, would you still choose that? Probably not. Mm.
2: Tell the
1: listeners what I said when I wake you up in the middle of the
0: night. I cheated on this last one.
1: I I had a dream. <laughs> that that she, w- she
0: woke up and, and slapped me for it. I did not. She didn't do that.
1: I did wake him up, though, and hug him. I was like, I had a dream you cheated on me. I was me. like, it's hot. Get off me. <laughs> <laughs> no, so my dream went like this. I'll spare you the details. But basically, <laughs> Dean was like, hey, I have something to tell you. I kissed this girl, blah, blah, blah. But what pissed me off is that he wasn't sorry about it. He was like, yeah, it was a really good kiss. And he was like rubbing it in my face.
0: I'm an objective guy.
1: And I was like, well, do you want to be with her? And he was like, oh, I don't know. He was just being a dick about it, which is what upset me. It wasn't the kiss itself. Yeah.
0: Is this is because we watched Suits.
1: Yeah, that's true. We watched Suits last night. And in the episode, a guy that has a girlfriend has a kiss with this
2: other girl. and the girlfriend finds Well, out- not in
0: that episode, but it's following those episodes. Mm.
2: Yeah, maybe that's why I had the dream. Have you watched it? A long time ago. So <laughs> you weren't angry at Dean the rest of the next day? It has so been enough? before. No. Yeah, once once he has
0: me woken me. up in the morning before, annoyed at me from something that I did in her dreams.
2: <laughs> maybe, I didn't remember that, but it,
1: not the whole day. Maybe I was just annoyed at you when I woke up. No, just
0: in the morning, like just a bit cold.
1: Okay. Must have been a long time ago. Yeah, no, I, I woke up knowing it was a dream, but I was still upset. I was like,
2: Why?
0: You get mad for your dream, for your dream dream? What is
2: she that I don't? Yeah, it happened to me once before and I was mad for a, for a while. Too long.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious.
2: With your current boyfriend? Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Did he you know? Or did you just cold shoulder him?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, I had told him. Like, oh, I, just need, I just need time to get over this. <laughs> <laughs> boys don't
1: seem to have these dreams about the girls. No, because
0: they're dreams.
1: <laughs> yeah but i'm just saying you can still have them but you've never had a dream where i've like pashed someone else have you
0: i don't know well, you if don't
1: if really I, remember your dream if i
0: did it wouldn't i wouldn't care
1: yeah not when i wake up he doesn't care about me chelsea that's what i'm hearing mm-hmm. might not be what he's saying but that's what i'm hearing
0: I've, I've, this is for a funny story i've told uh, liz this and this has happened to me with like pretty much most girls that i have ever dated or been with is that I had this recurring dream that I'm in the dream and I'm doing the dirty with somebody, but they're faceless or I can't see their face. Like they might be facing the opposite direction or whatever. And I, in the midst of it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm cheating. I can't believe I'm doing this. This is, this is really, really, really fucking bad. And then at the last moment, the person who I'm dating's face shows up. and I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that dream so many times in my life. Huh. Yeah. That's odd. Yeah. Hmm. I think I'm cheating, but I'm what not. What
1: does that say about you as a person?
0: That I'm a good guy and that I, I don't want to cheat. But my, ma- my my manliness just... No, don't
1: right. <laughs> I don't really think dreams have that much meaning. No. I don't think so.
0: Star signs, on the other hand,
1: definitely true. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> definitely all true. <laughs> <laughs> Fun times. Uh, now, normally we'd wrap up with where can we find you, but we know as a Flex Success coach, the Flex Success page, Flex underscore success, www.flexsuccess.com.au.
0: hmm and keep an eye out for the uh, the what?
1: The untangling fat loss ebook, actually out for pre-sale right now. By the time this episode goes live, pre-sale would have likely been finished. Um, Again, and...
0: great at marketing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but open for regular old purchases of the ebook.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll be charging you extra amounts now. Yeah, when you, when you listen to this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Use the use the code uh, flexxs 20 to double the price of the ebook. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a great <laughs> code. <laughs> I'm down
1: Should we? Should we use that? Should we have a code to double the price of the email? If
0: anything, it should be flex double D.
1: Try it. Flex yeah. Double D. Let's do it.
0: Get mm, double down. Yeah. Lots of lots, of lots of mem- lots of different things here. Um uh,
1: all right, thank Charles. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. See and you we'll soon. uh chat to you soon.
0: All right. See ya. Bye.